Any economic system that tries to dispense with prices will cause the complete breakdown of economic activity and bring a human society back to a primitive state. Seyfedean Amos, from his book, The Bitcoin Standard. Hello and welcome, plebs, to another episode of A Plebs Take. I'm your host, Trevor, and today I'm taking you on a journey through my mind so that hopefully I can declutter it, get my my points across in a way that's concise and understandable, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Today we're going to be talking about the newly approved uh, Bitcoin spot ETFs. We're going to talk about not really necessarily what they are, because I'll be honest with you guys, I don't really know what the ETFs are. I don't, I don't really care what the ETFs are. What I know about the ETFs is that they are, they are captured. They're, they're regulatory Bitcoin. And as a Bitcoiner, y'all, I'm not down for not owning my own Bitcoin. Now, I might go over a little bit why some people would want to buy the ETF. Like maybe they would want to be exposed to that. And we'll kind of explain why someone might want to do that. But in this episode, as with all episodes, please remember that I am not a licensed financial advisor. I am just a pleb out here fighting the good fight. Um, this is for entertainment value and nothing else. We're here just spreading the word and explaining, in my understanding, the way that I, I see it, we're explaining what this stuff is. And some of it might not be right. It might not be perfect. I'm very open to being told when I'm wrong. Um, again, a lot of this podcast is is for me to try to understand these things better. I think that by talking about them and by having short conversations with myself, I can figure it out a little bit better. And maybe by figuring it out a little bit better, I can have a better understanding and explain and teach you guys a little bit better. So bear with me today. I don't have any internet right now on my computer, so I'm recording this. I'm going to have to use my phone to pull up Clark Moody's dashboard. So I'm doing that right now. Um, we're going to go over a couple different numbers. I'm not going to talk about the price anymore very much. I'm not going to talk about it very much because, you know, as we're doing this show, as we're moving into it, as it's becoming more and more of a Bitcoin-centered show, I really... I don't want to focus on the number because the number go up. Yeah, the price is great, but that's not what's important to me. I don't think that the price is what matters. I think that there's a couple other numbers on here that are much more important that matter more than the fucking price. So the first number we're going to talk about is actually the hash rate. And the hash rate is, as I understand it, is the amount of miners on the protocol trying to mine for Bitcoin, okay? So the hash rate, the total hash rate on the, the network for the last 2016 blocks is 522.2 exahash. A lot of you aren't gonna understand what that means. I, I barely understand what it means, but I do believe that the hash rate has a lot to do with the price and whether or not the price goes up and down. You know, back in 2020, when we hit 69,000 and everybody was saying, oh, we're going to 100,000, we're going to 100,000. There's a lot of evidence 
to show that we did not hit 100K last cycle because of what happened in China around the regulatory approval, or not regulatory approval, but around like, like the legalization of Bitcoin mining itself. China actually banned Bitcoin mining, and they've done it several times. But in 2020 specifically, you watch the hash rates like cut in half. It was 50% cut in half, and all of that hash rate went off the network and had to find you know safer jurisdictions to mine out of. But what you saw was the price just almost immediately start dipping, just tumbling. We went from 69000 to, I think it was like... 15,000, 14,000. I'm not exactly sure on that price, but crazy swings. I mean, over an 80% drop just because in my opinion, the hash rate got taken off offline. So the hash rate is a very, very important number. And we're going to, we're going to keep going at the hash rate. We're going to talk about it. Plus I'm getting into a little bit of Bitcoin mining, like some, some self mining. I'm playing around with it and it's it's kind of fun to see what those numbers do, see how they how they correlate to the price. The next number, which I think is the most important number in Bitcoin. There is no other important number. TikTok next block, the block height is our number. So we are currently at block height 826,050. Okay, and all that means, guys, for all of you that don't know, is the block height just means how high our blockchain is stacked. So our blockchain is 826,050 blocks high. And for every single block, like all you guys need to know is for every single block that gets added to that blockchain, the security and the power required to corrupt that chain gets infinitely stronger. So every single block that we just keep stacking on at this blockchain, the Bitcoin protocol gets that much stronger. So of course, 826.50 is going to be the most important number that we talk about on this show. And as we move forward, guys, we're going to be playing around with this. We're going to be switching some things up. So if you like an aspect of the podcast, please write in and let me know so that I can keep that aspect of the podcast around. And I, I want to make this show as fun, as carefree, as laid back as possible, while also providing the most amount of signal that I can. I don't want to lose anybody in the minutia and the bullshit, but I definitely want you guys to feel like you walked away from this podcast learning something. So that's all of the numbers that I want to talk about. Like I said, we're not going to go over price very much on the show anymore. We're going to talk about the Bitcoin block height. We're going to talk about the hash rate. And that's for us, that's pretty much it where, where we're at right now. Anyways, let's get back into the, let's get into the meat of this episode. Let's get into the signal on January 10th. 2024, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States, approved all 11 of the Bitcoin spot ETFs. Now, these ETFs were all brought to, not brought to market, but they were seeking regulatory approval to be created, all 11 of these ETFs, through places like Vanguard, Fidelity, ARK Investments. Um, I don't know the names of all of them, but these are these are exchange traded funds where you can basically get a return on the growth of the ETF. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm not exactly sure on this, guys. I don't buy ETFs. I don't like ETFs. I don't like the financial or the TradFi space. It's it's not the type of place that I want to be. What I do know about about ETFs 
is that you you have to pay a monthly or what annually fee percentage on how much money you have in that ETF. Now, for someone who's been in the TradFi space for for years, you know, if you've been in the TradFi space for 30 years, you've got all your money in traditional finance, then it may be beneficial for you to call up your broker or call up your, you know, financial advisor and figure out a way to allocate a small percentage or even a large percentage depending on how you feel towards a Bitcoin ETF. But I would say that would, in my opinion, it would only be for money that you already have wrapped up in traditional finance. For most people, for me, buying the ETF is actually going to be, in my opinion, counterproductive to our goals here. You know, we're, we're trying to create a decentralized um, censorship resistant protocol money that you know, we don't have to ask permission for that we don't have to go to Uncle Sam, pay our taxes, when we get the money, pay our taxes, when we purchase the goods, or when we, you know, we consume the goods. We don't have to do that. We we pay our taxes when we consume the goods. And that's it. So when you buy an ETF, like, as far as I understand, you're not actually buying the underlying asset, Bitcoin, you're buying like an IOU to Bitcoin. And it's, it's less than an IOU to Bitcoin when you buy on a Bitcoin exchange, because like, it's still an IOU when it's on the exchanges in the exchanges wallet, like we've talked about in the past. But this is kind of a little different. Like you don't even have the ability to take ownership of the Bitcoin. Like, let's say BlackRock is your exchange and you you want to go into their ETF and you want to pay them, you know, you want to give them enough money for one whole Bitcoin. I think it's like 42,000 right now. So you give them 42,000 for one whole Bitcoin and they go buy that Bitcoin on your behalf. Well, that Bitcoin is kept in their wallet, in their fund. They have control of it. The managers of the, the BlackRock fund have control of that asset. You don't. You don't get to take ownership of that. You have a cash value that basically tells you how much quote unquote Bitcoin you have, but you don't have Bitcoin. It's not like you can pull up your cold storage wallet type in your address and send your Bitcoin from your BlackRock ETF to your wallet. It, it doesn't work that way. You know, BlackRock doesn't want you to take that Bitcoin. They want to keep that Bitcoin themselves. Now, whether or not they're going to do something shady with it, I don't know. They have every legal right within the outline of their documents, their legal paperwork and stuff. They have every right to do what they want to with that Bitcoin because the way that it's written out in the terms is it's it's their asset. They have ownership of the asset. They're just, I don't know exactly what they're doing with it, how they get to get it from you. Like you're paying for it. It should be yours. You should own it. But the way I, the way I understand it is you only own the, like the value of the asset, not the asset itself. I'm, I'm not exactly sure on this guys. Like it's very confusing. And the way these ETFs work is, is kind of ridiculous. But I would say like, look, why, why would you want to pay a 1%, 3% fee on your money when in Bitcoin? Why would you want to pay that on, the, on that money when you can hold the actual asset itself in a cold storage, in a self-custody wallet, have complete exposure to the price swings, whether it goes up or down, you know, you're going to have exposure to it either way. But you have access to that capital when you need it, you know, like that's, that's the coolest thing for me is that realizing because I have a Bitcoin wallet with, with Bitcoin in it, and I have the ability to 
you know, transfer those UTXOs when I want, I have control over my money. And if I need to pay for some kind of, you know, unfortunate circumstance that has happened, like say the car breaks down or the water heater goes out or, you know, something happens, like maybe the kid needs braces or I don't even know. You know, I have a small amount reserved that I can immediately deduct from, have that turned into liquid cash, you know, within a couple of days and start funding the things that I need to. And in fact, if I can pay for it with a, with a credit card, there are companies out there that allow me to buy credit cards, little, little prepaid visa credit cards or debit cards with my Bitcoin. You know, so there's ways to do it. There's ways to live my life. But if I hold my Bitcoin in the ETF, what happens is that like, okay, I want to take ownership of that Bitcoin. Well, all of a sudden now I have to go around the traditional finance system. I have to liquidate my portfolio, you know, take, take it all in cash. I would have to pay massive capital gains tax on that, depending on how much your, your portfolio is, like how big your allocation is. And then after you've paid that, that capital gains tax, then you're going to have to go to another exchange, a Bitcoin-only exchange, purchase the actual Bitcoin itself, and take custody of it. You know, it becomes this whole thing just to take ownership of the ETF or of the Bitcoin that was in the ETF that you, you held, you know? So it's a whole thing. And it really begs to ask the question is like, are you, are you capable of holding your own keys of holding your own Bitcoin? Because if you are, then why would you buy an ETF? Why would you buy this thing that these managers, these ETF fund managers have all the power to just take it from you? You know, like that, it blows my mind. It really does. It really blows my mind that there are people out there that would just give their money to BlackRock to go buy these ETFs. Oh, sorry. I had to stretch. But to go buy these ETFs, why would you give your money to BlackRock? Just go buy the damn Bitcoin itself, you know? I do want to talk a little bit. Like, I, I don't want to just keep rambling on and on about, like, why I don't like the ETFs. Um, being devil's advocate, I can see certain times when you would want to purchase the ETF. Um, I think Bitcoin's really cool. It, it can do a lot. But it's not like... It's not like I can just go call my grandma up and say, "Hey grandma, here's a here's some Bitcoin. Go go buy go buy groceries with it. You know, go go pay for your laundry bill with it. Go, you know, pay your utilities or whatever." It's like grandma doesn't know how to use this stuff. And you know, I'm I'm in my early or late 20s, almost early 30s, and my parents are 50 years old. Okay? And to get them onto onto Bitcoin, like we need we need easy solutions, and there are plenty of developers out there that are working on the solutions, working on the problems, trying to make Bitcoin a lot more intuitive for the everyday layperson and for grandmas and grandpas. <laughs> so, like, there is that, but the ETFs will provide security to the generations that have always been. In traditional finance. I mean, the way that traditional finance works is you give someone money and they take ownership of an asset on your behalf. They they keep that for you and you are exposed to all of the price swings 
but none of the liabilities of holding the actual underlying asset. That's all on the fund manager. And a lot of people, they like that. A lot of people trust it. I, for one, don't, but my experience isn't everyone's experience. And mainly this podcast is just me. The show, this episode is just me telling you like why I wouldn't buy the ETF. I don't think it's in my best interest. I think that I can just buy Bitcoin itself and not pay taxes on it, not pay the fees on it make more money in the long run and live happier. Like I said before, it's like, I'm not, I'm not looking to get rich. I'm not looking to be, you know, Elon Musk or Bill Gates or anything like that. What I'm, what I'm looking for is security. I want to know that my bills are taken care of. The food is on the table, you know, that my wife is happy and safe and doesn't have to stress out about, you know, whether or not the, the pets have everything they need and, you know, all this other stuff. Like, can I, can I raise a family? Can I, can I start one? Can I work hard and, and get what I am due? Like, can I, can I earn that? Because if I can, then I'm willing to to put the work in. Like, I don't want to be lazy. I just also don't care about being rich, like being rich, your definition of rich and my definition of rich might be two different things, but being rich to me just doesn't seem like that great of a thing. It, it doesn't sound like I would want that. Like I, I want to be comfortable. I want to not have to worry about whether or not my bills are being paid. But I don't think that you need to strive to be the next Bill Gates. I think you should strive to be comfortable and to live a, a happy life. You know, be be kind to your neighbors and be kind to yourself, but know that it's it's... You got to put the work in. You got to put the work in and you got to be willing to sacrifice things for the life that you want to get. But also with that in mind, have an idea of the life that you want. If you want to be rich, if you want to be the wealthiest person alive, then get the fuck up every day and start working towards that. You know, like you can do it. You can manifest that life if you put the effort and the energy in the proof of work into it. That's not my dream. That's not what I want. But like I said, my dream isn't your dream. And whatever your dream is, you should go out and fight for it. Will the ETF allow you to reach your goals and reach your dreams? Because if it will, then I won't judge you when you purchase the ETF. Now, if purchasing the underlying actual asset Bitcoin would be more beneficial to you, then just buy the BTC. Just go on and buy the Bitcoin. If you need help figuring out how to set up a cold storage wallet, set up a, a self-custody wallet, like if you need any help with that, I'm always on like ready to help. I'm always able to, to assist you guys. I'm definitely not the most knowledgeable person in the space, but I am willing to help and and get people on board. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me asking for help or even with suggestions for the show. I, I really do appreciate that. So yeah, just to wrap up the episode, guys, I wouldn't buy the ETF mainly just because of the fees that you're going to pay yearly and the capital gains taxes you'd have to pay in order to take actual ownership of that Bitcoin. It's really not that hard to secure and hold your own keys. If you can, if you can raise a kid, if you can drive a car, you know, if you can do these things, like you can operate a computer, then you can, you can secure your own Bitcoin. You can become self-sovereign and you can hold your generational, generational wealth yourself. So yeah, I wouldn't buy the ETF. 
I wouldn't step foot near them. I hope you guys learned something in this. I hope you guys figured something out. Maybe, maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't learn jack shit. But either way, you guys stuck through this long. I appreciate you guys for that. Um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without you guys, honestly, without you, without my amazing producer, Ryan, without my wife and my fur babies, our home, like I'm so grateful for where I'm at in life and the things that I get to do, to do and accomplish. And, you know, Bitcoin and Noster, those are the freedom protocols that allow me to do these things. Um, they gave me hope. They gave me my faith back, if that makes any sense. I hope someone out there understands that. Anyways, guys, I want you to remember not to be an NPC. Take back your freedoms. Stay humble and stack sats. Take care, plebs. I love you. We'll see you next time.